0: if you have a look at the daily chart of the NASDAQ, we've got a breakout on our hands, but can it last? That's the question we're asking today. We've got US banks, which I continue to believe are central to the focus of the market, trading in a fairly tight range. And the feedback loop into interest rate pricing is very real. We're still seeing the market expecting a fairly aggressive rate cutting cycle to start from September from the Federal Reserve. And we look ahead at the US dollar, where we're seeing a very, very tight range indeed. But which way will it blow? That's the situation that Blake and I discuss on the trade-off today. And of course, We've got the Bank of England meeting ahead of us as well, so we're looking at sterling flows. This is the trade-off. Well, hi there. I'm Chris Weston from Pepperstone. I'm going joined in two seconds by Blake Morrow from Forex Analytics. We've got a lot to discuss, even though volatility is pretty low in these markets. There's a lot of landmines that we need to navigate and actually trading structures that uh, we need to, to, to put in front to sort of tackle the, the, the market environment we're seeing. When there's low volatility in markets, we can change and we can adapt to those situations and look to, to profit from those. It's not all about momentum. It's not all about trend. Sometimes I mean reversion works well, and that's what we're seeing in this market. So I'm going to bring Mr. Blake Morrow into the program. Blake, how goes it?
1: I'm doing great, Chris. Good to see you. Happy uh, midweek.
0: Happy midweek indeed. Uh, it all feels like a, another day to me, but to be honest, but uh, always, uh, <laughs> always smiling. Um, we're moving on. Uh, we've got a lot to discuss today. Volatility is pretty low. Um, it's one of those things where you're sitting there going, you know what, I'm looking at the debt ceiling. We know how it ends. But it'd be nice to have a little bit of volatility. It's going to be tough for you Americans when, you know, obviously getting through that, but it'd be nice to have a little bit of volatility, wouldn't it?
1: It would be. You know, it, it, we're, it's, it, everything's tight, but look, uh, it's a calm before the storm. I know that, that, that phrase is used a lot to describe the markets, but I truly believe we are really poised to make a big move one way or the other. And uh, I think we need to all be prepared for it. And that's why these setups that we're going to bring you today, I think are going to be very important moving forward.
0: We trade our market environment. We need to recognise the market environment, and our strategy is deployed in that market environment. Whether it's range-bound markets, you know, trending markets, range expansion, all those factors matter. You know, and 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 so you've got to know that market environment. And I think that's where we can. That's where we can offer some value in today's uh, in today's market. So let's go straight into topical fundo and let's look at the big macroformatics, the talking points that are present at every barbecue. i talk about equity markets, Blake. Um, yeah, we have seen the breakout in the NASDAQ. I'm going to talk about that in one of the setups there. Uh, but it's all tech at the moment. If you have a look at the, the S&P, we're not seeing that same love. We still need to break through 4,200 on the S&P futures, 4,160 or so in, in, in the cash market, the Russell... Uh, still, you know, can't really get too much of a leg up because it's got such a heavy weighting towards banks and financials at the moment. It's still, really not. There's not many um, of the long only community who, who are wanting to step in front of the banks because what we're seeing with a lot of regional banks, of course, is they're trying to attract depositors and they're doing for some of them actually doing a pretty good job. And to, to attract depositors, um, you know, you need to give market rates, um, and that of course impacts their net interest margins. It lowers earnings, and of course, you know, you don't want to step into banks when you've got earnings risk. Okay, fine. Yeah, their credit risk is reduced to an extent, but their, their earnings risk is going down as they offer um, better rates for depositors. Um, but that's the problem is you've got to address that deposit situation. But I'm looking at the, the tech side of things at the moment. We can talk about concentrated breath. We can talk about narrow leadership. But the uh, the, the, the Nasdaq seems to be firing. Yeah, what, Where are you seeing the, the, the balance of risk in, in US equity markets or global equity markets more broadly?
1: Well, let's let's define risk. I, I I think the market is very well. Uh, it's money changing hands. It is not. You're not seeing money fleeing market. Of course, there, everybody's getting out of the regional banks. You, you you're going to talk about you know, the banking index a little bit later, but that money is finding its way into the, the Nasdaq. So the, the constant reallocation. That's a good. That's a good thing for the markets. I still think that we need to be following the S and P. I think you're right. 4,200 is the key, and all we need is like a you know debt ceiling uh, push invoice. off until September, yeah. and we've got about ten days to do it, don't we, Chris?
0: I think it's less than that, mate. I think it's about seven, including if you're in the time off that Biden has off to get to get this done until we get through June. I did notice on the debt ceiling that they, the the Treasury cash balance now is about 185 billion. It took down about down about 30 billion, so those funds are getting uh, depleted. What I will say though, Blake. It's all the stresses in money markets, right? All the bills that, that mature in, in that June window, which makes a lot of sense. Why would you be buying uh, you know, on that situation um, in, in case there was a situation where there was a deferred payment from the Treasury Department? But I will look at the the options market. And, and while we're not seeing it in, in, in put-call skews at the moment, we are seeing it in the absolute volatility structure. So normalized skew. So we're looking at um, yeah, out of the slightly out of the money puts relative to the um, out of the money call volatility, and we normalize it for out of the money. We are seeing a lot of hedging playing through. So people don't want to sell then necessarily. They sell their core equity, but you're buying uh, puts to try and put yeah you know, hedge your downside in that situation as well. We're seeing a lot of people actually you know, selling calls above the market, taking the income, and then using that to to buy puts uh, out of the money for free, so they don't have to sell that. So at the moment. Yeah, the equity market, while we're seeing such low realised volatility, I think people are, are hedging their portfolios rather than actually dumping their, and reducing their equity allocation as well. That may well change if we get closer towards that deadline and we get to a point where the you know, the Treasury run down their cash balances to a point where they may have to go through this term prioritisation. Everyone get used to that could be something that we're all talking about very closely when they have to make a choice as to which payments they make, whether it's you know, cut back on defence, VET payments, um you know, Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, potentially even you know, further down the line, uh, you know, some of its bond obligations as well. But we're not at that point and and we're not trading that. But I will say that Bill us, Mark us, is very us stressed. Veterans,
1: us, us veterans are tough. Just cut, cut those in benefits first. That's Just right. Kidding. I mean, I,
0: to, to be honest, I think the, yeah, there is, there, there is, it's obviously very political. If they get to a point, I'm not saying very. it's going to happen, but if they get to a point, what do they choose to cut back? Well, I think the big one, no, you know, obviously got a lot of time for the vets out there, um, but I think the one that, that they will, Defend above everything else. Obviously, is is is, is the bond obligations, and we we turned Biden saying that he may look at the Fourteenth Amendment, which you know, every Republican's going to be taking him. Supreme Court, Supreme Court, Supreme Court. <laughs> but I think it's the the, the the social security, which is the uh, yeah the, the the big one that they want. Yeah, fifty eight million Americans are on social security, and if they didn't get their their welfare check on that week. You know, I think that could be a, that could be a big impact on, on consumer confidence and business confidence. So that's something we are looking bear. at. How that happened. And bear in mind, Blake, I mean, you know, first week, if we get down to a cash balance at Treasury of $50 billion, there's an $80 billion payment going out to Social Security and Medicare, which they might not have the money to to pay. So that could be a big uh, volatility event in itself. I mean, they get all their money it, it, on the 15th. It, it,
1: it can be, and you know, it's interesting to see Janet Yellen trying to get ahead of everything this week. Uh, so, <laughs> stand by, guys and gals. Next yeah. week's going to be a, a doozy. I, I have a feeling. Uh, I don't think these talks are going anywhere right now, and I know we need to move along. But, uh, but yeah, I think volatility is going to increase going into this next week. So, stand by. And you know, with with the VIX implied volatility sitting at what? Where are we at? Sixteen, seventeen. It's hard to hard to be short equities right now, but. I'd be watching that pretty carefully. Hey, you know, today was an important day, Chris, that we had CPI and we had consumer price index come out. You know, the number wasn't far off expectations. Um, market sold off a little bit. We saw a rally back, but, you know, uh, and, and and you know, obviously the, the S&P closed in the green, but tomorrow we have our producer prices and, and this is gonna be an important number. I, I know a lot of people kind of gloss over the, the, and they roll their eyes at the PPI, but you have to imagine the PPI number. First of all, last month uh, I think uh, we missed we missed the mark by 0.5 percent. If I'm like a half a percent, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, and we're expecting a bounce back this month. But how much? And the reason why it's important when you take producers and and my 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 wife's in her business, and I understand what how she she marks up things based on her prices she hasn't wanted she hasn't wanted to push a lot of those costs over to the the consumer standpoint so she's been eating a lot of those costs but how long can companies do that and that's why this input of the producer prices is going to be pretty big if that number stays relatively strong and we bounce back even more aggressively than than we have at what point do producers really start passing all those all those uh, pressures down to the uh, consumer? That's why I think the PPI tomorrow might actually be a bigger mover than today's CPI that came in in line. It's it's easy to say in you know hindsight, obviously, but I do believe that PPI kind of leads us to what we you know where we're going to be, where the Fed's mind and their head's going to be in the months ahead. That's why I think that uh, tomorrow's data is going to be big. So, mm-hmm. what do you think about tomorrow's PPI?
0: Well, I want to shop at Mrs. Morrow's shop. Sounds like you're giving the best prices. Giving you can give it a little bit <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <more price. laughs> That's good. No, I mean, I, I yeah, I've, I I I think a couple of shows before I said you know the market's less reluctant to move on PPI, and then and and you brought it up, and then we saw a massive miss or um, downside surprise, and there was a bit of a move on it. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go against that. But yeah, look, we're looking for what 3.3 percent on the course PPI numbers are slightly down. Final demand about two and a half percent. Um, and it does have bearings on on corporate profitability. I mean, it has a much bigger impact on corporate profitability than than CPI numbers. So in theory, it should it should matter. And, and in theory, it should actually play somewhat more of a, a bigger impact on on um, yeah markets than CPI. But yeah, obviously the markets are so hell bent on. Um, the inflationary read uh, and how you know that reads into interest rates more than the actual earning side of things, but yeah in theory this has big big impact on margins and, and corporate profitability, so I think you know if you see a big downside miss then yeah, it 'd be interesting to see how the dollar plays it certainly yeah, reduces any scope um for you know any kind of moves later in this year. I mean the market's obviously not pricing that anyway. Um, but yeah, it could be. I mean, the market. What we need to kick some some lines. But yeah, if, if we'd need to see an outlier move, I think we would need to see an outlier move. So, yeah, as I say, three point three percent is expected on core on year on year on year basis. Um, so use that as a playbook. You know, if we got somewhere close to three percent or below. Um, yeah, I think that would that would potentially cause some gyrations, saying that, you know, what's what's going to be the PPI number on a year-on-year basis that's going to cause the dollar to rally and the market to be a bit shocked, probably 3.7%, 3.8%. So I think there's a bit of a tolerance there. So you know, I think you bring up a good point. It's something that has... Missed expectations by quite some way before. Potentially, it could do today, but I think that's what's going to be needed to cause uh, to, to see this being the the gyration effect there. And,
1: anyway, I, let's, and I was just going to say, I, I'm just grasping at straws right now, trying to get us out of the range, trying to find something that's going to get us out of this range, Chris. Well, I think it's a good chance. So let's,
0: let's bring up that dollar chart just to show you the range yeah. that we're in at the moment. Actually, I don't have it. <laughs> Sorry, it's the wrong section. I've jumped <laughs> well, the gun. Let's talk limit. about the dollar. Yeah, well, let's talk about the dollar because well, if we look at the the daily chart of the Dixie. You know, you are seeing a situation right now, which which I won't go too much of the technicals. so say I've got a chart on that in a second. But, yeah, the range is, is, is very, very tight at the moment. You know, a lot of that's obviously down to the euro-dollar, the euro component of the dollar index basket, 57% weighting towards that. Um, but, you know, we've, seen, we've failed at, at one, 111 in euro-dollar, and it looks like it's going down to the double bottom target um, or double bottom neckline, should we say. I mean, euro has been... Um, yeah there's been some issues in Europe recently I mean you know, 're seeing inflation expectations falling um, the Citigroup economics and, in, and and inflation surprise index is trending lower I mean' going to Europe I mean we've saw the factory factory orders number in Germany down ten percent the industrial production numbers down three point four percent Yeah, it does feel like economics are starting to crack or at least look less positive, which have been such a positive positive. and i' going you know obviously their leverage to China is very strong, and we 've obviously saw the, um, the, the the poor import number from from China this week on the trade balance. So there are a few sort of wor- worries that perhaps you've got this mixture of, of somewhat failing economics in Europe um, against this, this still very high inflationary environment where the ECB is still talking up rate hikes. It's sort of a stagflationary environment, not, never good for a currency. And obviously that's a, a big impact on that dollar index. But how do we break it? What do we need? Do we need to see volatility in rates? Do we need to see some sort of trend in the bond market? What are you looking for? Well, you, you know, I've, I've talked to a lot of
1: people, Chris, regarding um, uh, that are really, really bearish on the dollar. Um, there's so many people. It's like it, sentiment is like overwhelmingly bearish to the dollar. And rightfully so. The dollar hasn't rallied off the, I think the 101 or 100.85 is like the key level of support that, that we're all looking at. And we haven't been able to rally even with this, this uh, the, the bank seizures that we've seen, you know, the, the regional banks and people keep citing that that is, that is like. A telling tale that That's the, the dollar—that's
0: the difference in the smile now. Before you, like, whenever there's stress, you buy dollars. It's the opposite now. You get your money out of the U.S. You don't want to be leveraged to that side of things. This is this is quite a new phenomenon, right?
1: But yeah, yeah, and and I hear what you're saying, Chris. But is that really—is it the real proverbial poop hitting the fan, or is it somebody just flicking a piece of crap at the fan? I mean, I I don't I don't see it being a real risk in the global economy
0: yet. As I'll, 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 I'll say well, It's not yes. systemic. It's not systemic. The banking situation is not systemic. It's well contained. The Fed's actions have contained it. There's there's a few banks which have um, seen incredibly uh, big drawdowns playing through, and they've had a nice snapback, but it's you know, still well down from the January, February highs. Um, but it's well contained at the moment, and we are expecting further consolidation. But until we, until we see credit markets really blowing up, you know, spreads widening, you know, it still, still, still quite contained. But... That said, when we do see big moves, we haven't seen a big move for a few days now, but when we do see big moves, you do see the interest rate markets pricing that in. And, and we see in further cuts being priced. So there is this feedback loop between the KRE ETF and uh, higher interest rate cuts being priced in, and that subtracts from the dollar. So I think that connection is still quite real.
1: I do, I, you know, I, I'm not going to disagree with you on that. And I still think the dollar looks vulnerable at this point. Um, I'm not too sure what's going to break us out of the range. But for those people that believe the dollar is lo- losing its safe haven status and it's just it's not doing what it normally would do. Like I said, I, I don't think I think you said the correct w- way or word to describe it, Chris, systemic. We haven't seen systemic risk. And if we see it and we see the credit markets start to seize up, you're going to see that dollar going on, on a rampage. Well, and it's not it's going a credit to be,
0: event at the moment. I'll tell you one yet. thing that I'm looking for. We know that the debt ceiling will be uh, resolved. It has to be. Like, at some stage, it has to be. It's The question is, is, is there going to be a lot of pain to get to that point of agreement? It's the point of the agreement, in my opinion, unless the US has had its credit rating downgraded, and, and that seems unlikely. Very, there's like well, the, the CDS market's pricing a 4 or 5% chance of that happening. But yeah. I don't think it's going to happen. I think, mean, yeah, Biden won't, won't let that happen. He'll change the 14th Amendment. But... The moment that we see an agreement, what the Treasury do, and, and this is the bullish catalyst for me, is that the, the, the Treasury Department go out and issue yeah $900 a trillion dollars of, of, of short-term bills, and you see a massive rebuild of the, the Treasury General account. That rebuild of the General account will take dollars out of the system, and that will be a very positive event. So the agreement, unless they've actually had a credit rating downgrade by Fitch, which are the people who have already said that any kind of issues with payments, they will downgrade them. But if we don't see that and when we finally see an agreement eventually that has to happen um, then yeah i think there's going to be a massive dollar rally and that would be b- because dollars are being taken out of the system as the tre- treasury general account will be rebuilt so it could be some downside in the short term but when we get that agreement i'm long dollars every day
1: well there we go i i, I, I it's interesting well first of all i like to hear you say that not because i'm positioned long dollars that has nothing to do with it but Decisiveness and that, that Mrs. Morrow wants to go on holiday
0: to Mexico and it's gonna cost you a fortune. (laughs) That's true. All right, so hey,
1: we're gonna talk about the most um legitimate and and greatest central bank on the face of the planet. We're gonna talk about the Bank of England right now. Jesus, Um, I think Michael Brown would have something to say about that. Or was that that just a
0: teaser for him?
1: It was a teaser, and I was trying to get a chuckle out of a few people. Actually, a few people might have chucked something at the at, at their computer screen just now but uh, I, I do want to <laughs> talk it's about tomorrow. the bank get of england off. get it get, get pull that guy where's the where's the cane anyway um, the bank of england meets tomorrow morning and they're expected to raise rates by 25 basis points you know a quarter percent and 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 people are are asking you know is that enough and the vote that we're all looking for or the market's looking for is uh, 7-4-2 against and I was talking to so Mr say that again. So seven, seven four25
0: basis point yeah,
1: yeah. and and, seven, two, and, four. and two
0: calling for 50 basis point hikes.
1: Yeah, I believe so. And, right. and and I th- that's why I think the vote is going to be really important tomorrow because if you have the votes skewed the other direction, like let's say it was three to six. Um, you might see an actual rally in the in, in, in the in the sterling now I, I know there's a lot of people like Deutsche Bank just came out and they expect a dovish hike and um, it's hard to imagine that Chris with CPI at at 10 percent right now in the UK and the food and energy costs just running rampant I don't under I don't really understand what a- Andrew Bailey's his playbook is here and I think many people will probably answer this in the comment section down below he has no playbook um, because I'd love to, love to hear you. It's
0: story. data dependent. You make, you make things up on the spot as you go along, don't you?
1: Yeah, I am. It's all data dependent. and But but the data is dependent that we should be raising rates a little bit more aggressively, wouldn't you think? Anyway, yeah. here's, the, here's the thing. The cable, I believe, is at a really key inflection point. If you look at the sterling, the high today it was 126.80, I believe the high was. That was actually a high or a previous pivot back in 2020. I don't have the chart for you right now really key level. You see the euro sterling breaking down, but it's come back. It's coming back to the breakdown point. I think the, the pound is going to be the play of the day for any FX trader intraday. Play to I don't have any positioning whatsoever, but I think that we're going to get some movement tomorrow morning. What's your thoughts on the Bank of England? Sorry I ate up so yeah. much time.
0: No, it's cool. It's cool. Um, yeah, look, uh, I agree. I mean, our clients are, are generally pretty short on the pound right now. They're expecting downside um, at at these high levels at the moment. I I, I think, you know, I'm not going to critique that position, but I I personally would... Yeah, favour the, the the pound to the downside in my own opinion. I, whether this is a dovish hike, but yeah, I mean they're, they're gonna get twenty-five basis points. Every man, woman, and his dog have got that 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 call on at the moment. Every economist, you know, so it's, it's fully priced into the rates market at the moment. Where where I think you get conjecture is is the outlook. You know, 481 is the terminal price at the moment, which gives you 63 basis points of tights from the current level. So we get 25 basis points here. We get another one potentially in June, in July or August, and then somewhere in September we've got a you know, 50-50 chance. The question is, is, is that too too aggressive and, and if they give off the impression they're getting closer towards an end point um, but still offering them flexibility, you know, is that rates pricing that we have too aggressive in which case the pound has downside? So that's my theory is is do we have another 63 basis points including this 25 basis points to go? Um, I'm not sure that the tone of the statement is necessarily going to give that. I do think the split will be 7-2. We saw that from, um, you know, the the shadow NPC yesterday in the Times uh, poll and, 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 you know, it suggests that that's going to be the case. Um, but yeah, any changes to that could cause some sterling upside. But yeah, I think, again, we're just looking at what's priced into rates. We've got a terminal price at 481, which gives you 63 basis points from the current bank rate. Um, and the question is, is will, will the tone of the statement suggest the urgency to get at that high? If it doesn't, sterling's going down, in my opinion. But do we play it against the dollar? The, the weakness we're seeing in the pound at the moment is, is, is against... Um, yeah, and the Antipodeans, and certainly the Mexican Sterling Sterling Mex is flying, so it's falling hard. Anyway, let's go to some of the setups. we talked a lot about the dollar. Let's go to uh, visualise that situation. That music gets me every time. Let's bring up the Nasdaq. Um, I actually don't have a dollar chart there at all, actually. I should have done. But uh, we've got the NASDAQ 100. Yeah, we've got the breakout here. I've talked about it before. The bull flag that that we've rectified and and broken out. I love the the setup. You know, you've had the breakout. Um, You know, you've had consolidation. Nothing goes up forever unless you're trading cryptos. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And, uh, you know, you've had this consolidation playing through. Look. It's just had its little. It's just poked its head out. We've got a bullish outside day reversal today. Um, I'm a buyer of strength, but I want it to just just make a little bit of a high high. So I'm buying. I'm, I'm using a buy stop above the market, and I'm just going to see this push through to thirteen thousand eight 13, hundred. You know, take take the take the take the loss pretty quickly. Um, I just love the setup. You know, you have got the bull flag uh, uh, working well. You've got price moving up, consolidates, makes a higher high, consolidates, makes a higher high. I like it. Uh, you know. People have tried to fade this market. They tried to short it. it doesn't work. I, I think it goes higher, personally. That's where I see the risk.
1: Well, you know, uh, Chris, one of, the, one of the things that's not drawn on your chart, if you drop a trend line across the tops, across all those highs and the wicks right there, that's going to put the top of, of an ascending wedge. Now, an ascending wedge, by definition, is actually a reversal pattern longer term. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't Break higher, and that doesn't mean we can't continue to grind higher for quite some time. And I have to, I have to admit, the Nasdaq has been a standout uh, index. I think you've called it really, really well, trading it long against even, even uh, on a pairs trade against other indexes. Well, I like, like it.
0: The Dow. I like it. I like it long at the moment against the US thirty or the or the Dow effectively. So we've been looking at yeah. the Russell, long Nasdaq, short Russell. I, I think long Nasdaq, short. Uh, U.S. 30 or the Wall Street uh, is, is probably the trade now, or you can just go generic long. In my, in my opinion, but yeah, I think playing a pairs trade is is a good way. A lot of a lot of people are doing it against the Russell. A lot of the big funds are, you know, saying that the best way to play an economic slowdown is long Nasdaq, short short Russell, and that should, continues to be a fairly consensus trade. Consensus trade scare us, don't they, Blake? But you know, th- th- this one, yeah, as a, a you go long or you, yeah, do it as a long short strategy. I think works well.
1: I think, you know, I Hey, it looks like it's breaking higher. So I think it's a good setup and I don't think it it should be faded just yet, but something that might get faded soon, let's take a look over a Bitcoin, Chris. And Bitcoin's had my attention recently. You know, you can look at it as a head and shoulder pattern, a rounded top. I had somebody tell me today or ask, you know, Hey Blake, is that a head and shoulder pattern? So I thought I'd throw that up there too. That wasn't my own view. But what I'm looking at is I'm really, and, I, and every day I write down the same number, 26,600, period, end of story. That That is like what I like to call the line in the sand. It's the 38% retracement. It really is going to uh, segregate the, bull, the the boys against the men. Just kidding. It's the bulls versus the bears. you know. So as long as we stay above that 38% retracement, that 26,600, 700, depending on what data feed you're using, right around there, it's bullish. But if we get below that, this rounded top that we've been building is going to break down. And then I think that we could, we could squarely be looking at the 200-day day moving average, maybe as low as like 23,900 around that 618 retracement. But it is starting to scare me and it's starting to be one of those cracks beneath the surface that I'm seeing on risk that I think it, you know, should, especially if you're trading long the NASDAQ, you should be paying attention to. But what are your thoughts on Bitcoin here, Chris?
0: Well, to be honest, we're actually seeing quite a lot of action in um, the the smaller altcoins as well. I know there's a few that that, things like Pepe, everyone's sitting and going, oh, you know, it's got this. It's broken the downtrend. You know, you've got this really big horizontal resistance level now where it's just consolidating. Certainly on an hourly chart, but everyone's looking to buy the breakout there. Yeah, you know, there's the, you know, there's a little of activity that started to, to 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 creep up in some of the smaller altcoins, the shitcoins, if you want to call them. Um, but yeah, now just going back to your point on Bitcoin, it's interesting that you know you've seen that love for the Nasdaq, um, but yet Bitcoin's not finding that. You know, you've had that love in the in the in the gold price, and now it's consolidating. Um, and you know. But Bitcoin is just getting that rounded top, so maybe people are yeah you know, taking their flow and trading elsewhere. But the price is the price, and that's what we react to. So it doesn't really matter what other things are doing. If you want to trade Bitcoin in isolation, if it does break that 26, uh, 623 level, I mean I hadn't put it up myself. I mean that that I love those path patterns. I love, I love cup and head uh, you know, cup and handles on 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 the, on the way up and reversals in that situation. I think if this breaks, you know it, it probably does have that that move down to the two hundred day moving average. Um, but uh, yeah, I think the world has become. Yeah, certainly from a crypto perspective, they're getting quite excited about this idea that the Fed could open the door to to, to further easing further down the line. I think liquidity beneficiaries have, have done well. Uh, but yeah, I think this is a good chart. This is a setup, Blake. This is a setup. And this it's is a setup you need to have on the radar. I want to bring the KRE ETF. Now, look at this headline that I've brought. I'm going to give myself a massive pat on the back for this one. Regional banks are cratering? Question mark. Do you like that one? I
1: like that. Cratering. I get a
0: job as a headline writer for the Sun newspaper in the UK at some stage. But what we've seen um, is that big consolidation zone. We broke to the downside. Yeah, we've had a bit of a move up. Yeah, we're seeing in a lot of the regional banks, the outflows seem to have abated short term. Um, Yeah, the the take up from the Fed's liquidity facilities, you know the bank term funding facility and the 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 term pre uh, discount window as well yeah there, there's a there was a lot that was to do with FRC um but yeah it seems that it's dried up a little bit but no one's buying these banks Blake I mean the long only funds are just not stepping in it's just not happening and why would you when you've got earnings mix under under pressure at the moment you know, they've had to you know incentivize by by increasing deposit rates at the moment um, and that's that's hurting net interest margin so you've got a, you've got a, a an earnings uh, hit to this Um But then the short sellers have really been going to town of late. I know there have been talk about potentially banning short sellers and banks. I don't think it's going to happen at the moment. Um, But, you know, the the level of shorts in the KRE comes to about 50% of total outstanding, including the synthetic longs, which is a massive amount of short sellers out there. But, yeah, this is perfect time for short selling. Why wouldn't you do it when you've got no buyers out there? You can just smack the price and, and, and it brings it down. So... I still think this is a really interesting chart. Do we go back up into that, that form of consolidation zone? Do we roll over? If we, yeah, I think what happens with this ETF will have big implications for global risk assets. So what do you think?
1: Well, I, first of all, I, I do think it's bearish. There's no reason to be buying it. But if, if you went back to the last chart, Bitcoin... One of the things that have been supporting cryptos is when, you know, banks are under pressure, people have looked to crypto as more of a safe haven type of product. Well, I think it's the interest they, they rate they don't have-
0: feedback though, isn't it? It's like, you know, banks go down, interest rate cuts get priced in because so of financial stability risk, people buy crypto.
1: So it's like a whole like a vicious circle, right? So the, the flip side, and I guess the reason why I bring that up is if you do see some sort of bounce in the carry, I think it'd be short lived. That little yellow box that you have there, I think that's something you sell right into. If you see it again, uh, if you see it again, that, did I just say that I did say that <laughs> uh, we, we, that's scary that I just said that, uh, you know, if you're if you're if you're a regional bank buyer. But anyway, I think that that is going to be topside resistance on any rally, even if it's a little oversold right now. So uh, speaking of something that's not oversold, Chris, I want to take you over to the euro yen. And I got a little and I'm going to talk my book really quick. I'm going to talk my book. I am short the euro yen as of today. And I, I, I started shorting it because, or today or yesterday, actually last couple of days, depends on what, where you're at. Um, but I've been shorting the euro yen. I'm going to continue to short the euro yen in this bear flag pattern. But today it's attacking the neckline of a head and shoulder pattern. You have two different targets there. If the flag pattern completes, it's at 145. If the head and shoulder pattern completes, it takes it all the way down to 142. I, at this point in time, I don't, Really, you know, I'm not like favoring one pattern or the or or the other. It depends more on risk. But I do like the euro yen to the downside, especially if the euro dollar starts failing below 109.40, which is key support. What on do you Euro-dollar think about that divergence, though? You
0: see the divergence play. Is that a divergence because the the left hand leg of that last RSI is, is so low that it hasn't managed to get down? Does, does that worry you at all for a bounce?
1: No, because I still think that that RSI is in, it's still being written. So if we, if we continue to break lower, that is not, that's gonna be a positive or a uh, not non-divergent, it's gonna be a confirming RSI. So I, I don't think the downside's done yet, but we get oversold, then you just start selling rallies. But this is a core position I plan on working for a while. While we're below uh, the level that I'm looking at, let me just pull it up for you really quick on my end, just so I can give you the number. You know, As long as we stay somewhere below like the 147.50, I'm just gonna to continue to chip this away on the short end. Uh, what do you? Th- what are your thoughts on the euro again? Sorry, I chewed up my- more time. No, that's all right,
0: mate. We're, we're, we're going over. We're going over today. It's fine. We we've, we've got a lot to say. It's good. Um, I like it. You know, the world's been pretty pretty bullish on euro for obvious reasons. You know, natural gas prices. Yeah. You know, better economics, less bad situations. Um, but we 're starting to see a little bit of, of of fragility going into the the investment case for euros I know real money are pretty short on euros at the moment, probably from more of a portfolio effect, but the leveraged accounts are still slightly long on euro and that means from a positioning perspective there 's still a lot to go. We know that the world's been pretty short on yen um for obvious reasons they've had to push back on you know their their review and 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 people were all saying that they were going to move on yield curve control and that target in in June now that it's been pushed back later on and and so that, that's weakened the yen off. But I like this. I mean, it's I, I can make an investment cut. I can make a trade case from a fundamental perspective why it would go down to those targets you talk about. You know, as I talked about, inflation's high. But it's 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 too high when economics are starting to show some vulnerabilities at the moment. So I like it lower. I like it lower, and I'd probably be looking. I'm not going to work it like you are, but um, I'm. uh, (laughs) Yeah. But uh, (laughs) I'm not going to work it like that. But I'd certainly look at it for for a trade on the breakdown there as well. Anyway, let's go to the section we all love: Play of the Day. Okay, let's have a look at the Euro Aussie. Now, I've been pretty bullish on Sterling Aussie, uh, and that's that trade's come under a halt now. Yeah, you know, Sterling Aussie, Euro Aussie, they've started to show cracks. So, what we've got here is a regression channel. So it's. It's really just looking at something more on a statistical basis. You've just got that line of best fit that goes through and two, two, two and a half standard deviations either side of that section. And it'd be responding and, and respecting that really, really well. Now, what we've seen is a breakdown through there. We're, we're testing horizontal resi- uh, support levels at the moment. And you can see that doji on the daily chart there. Well, now, the way I want to play this is just use that momentum. I've got a sell stop order below the low. I just want to wait for it to just come crashing down and I want to ride that lower. Um, yeah, we've got a couple of levels on the downside that we're looking at. Um, but yeah, I'm looking for sell stop orders um, in this situation. Now, the thing as I talked about with euro factory orders getting weaker, industrial production numbers getting weaker. They've got high inflation, which still means um, that they're going to raise rates, but it's largely discounted into the price. On the, the other side of the equation, we've seen the Aussie budget, not something that people really trade on, but it's expansionary. It's, you know, it's going to be disinflationary this year, but it will in, in lead, increase to, to greater growth in the years ahead. I'm um, you know, still, still a believer in China. Um, and if I actually look at the the trade import numbers, while they're weak for most countries, actually still pretty strong for Australia. So I like the trade lower, but um, yeah, I want to just wait for that momentum break through the lows and try and try and ride it lower. So I'm just not in the trade now. Just a bit, I'm, I'm, I'm a weakness manifests into further weakness in this trade for me. All right. Well, Chris, I'm gonna I'm gonna take you over to the U.S. dollar South African rand, and this is a title
1: that I used before during it's a setup like a few months ago, and I said, sorry, she blows." Oh, she well. Goes. The star she blows again. Well, we have a cup and handle pattern, and the breakout actually happened today. Now, if you look at the longer-term charts, it actually points a lot higher than 1960. But 1960 would be the measured move of the cup and handle target. Now we broke out today. There's there's a um, you know some 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 risk macro risk because of load shedding. There's an energy problem that South Africa is having, but also. You know, if if, if if the markets get a little wobbly, you might see some covering up of some dollar rand positioning as well. Because, you know, that's a, a really big FX carry trade uh, for a lot of institutional traders. And it's going the wrong direction. If you look at the dollar max, that's going the
0: right direction. Yeah, yeah. Dollar rand is Go going the up wrong a chart. direction. Go and pull up a chart of the Mexican versus yeah. the Safa Oh, gosh. Gotcha. It, if I could be a chart, I'd be that chart. I'm not, obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm far from that chart, but that I'd like to be, be that chart.
1: That would be a good chart to be. But <laughs> I, anyway, I like the US dollar South African rand. I bought it today, personally. I'm buying dips. It costs a little bit to carry, so you don't want to hang on to it too long. But- Upside targets are within view, so I like the break. I like
0: it too, mate. And do you know what? The, the South African rand's been getting badly beaten up when the mex is flying. The Aussies doing quite well. The mex, you know, all the high beta FX plays are doing quite well, but the, the South African's not working in this market. Obviously, there's news associated with that situation at the moment. But I like that setup. I'm actually going to substitute my trade idea. I'm still going to trade my trade idea, but I like your one. I think you've uh, everyone's going to back Mister Morrow for his uh, player of the day today. Anyway, that's uh, that's all we've got time for. If you've stayed on this 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 long. We really appreciate it. Smash the like button. Kick the absolute bejesus out of it and give us a, give us a comment about how you're trading the market and we'll try and get to it when we can. We'll see you next week for more of the trade-off.